Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley, a beloved teacher of the Course, who has helped thousands learn how to express their beliefs from moment to moment in their everyday lives. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, so happy to be with you. And it's Tuesday morning in Los Angeles, but I'm back in England. I'm in Salisbury and uh, not too far from the cathedral. And I'm going to be staying here for the next week or so. And I'm I'm not jet lagged at all because I just flew in from the east coast of uh, the United States. And I'm so happy to be here. Spring is springing. I'm so happy to be with you. So let us begin as we always do with a prayer and a blessing. I invite you to place your hand on your heart and join me as we turn within and consciously partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self. So and so thankful to open our hearts and minds to the unlimited, to the unprecedented. Taking this breath of love and grace and gratitude, we open our hearts and minds to release all sense of judgment, all sense of harboring any resentments, any regrets, any hurt, any worry. We're releasing it all. We're forgiving ourselves and we're forgiving others. And we're grateful and thankful to recognize right here and right now that this is our appointed time to reveal our holy self. We're already as holy as holy can be and we're willing to accept that as the truth of our being right now. In grace and gratitude, we allow it to be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Well, and I have a special treat for you today. My guest is Colin Tipping. You probably know him best as the author of Radical Forgiveness, among many other books. Colin is very prolific, and his latest book is 25 Radical Forgiveness. He's been, done a number of Living a Course in Miracles classes with me, considered to be a favorite in those series. And our focus today is on forgiveness and the, the practical uses for the radical forgiveness teaching that is so helpful and been so helpful to so many people around the world, including myself. Welcome, Colin. Well, it's great to be with you again, Jennifer. Yeah, and yeah, I have to say, so. just for <laughs> I have to do do give you a shout out for being so prolific. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I think I've got ten books out there now, which is amazing. But uh, I think this is probably my last one. <laughs> what? Yeah, this, <laughs> your last one. Says, well, why this... don't you write a book about this? That uh, yeah, I love to write. Actually, it's something I like to do, so it's not a problem. Um, I do too. Yeah. And I, yeah. I love how I love the story of when you first wrote Radical Forgiveness and how that, that book that nagged at you, you followed your intuition. Uh, as I recall, you and Joanne, you had to, what, put a second mortgage on your house? 
Yeah, we did. Yeah, if I'd have known, if I really had known the risk, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have done it. But uh, I think spirit kept that from me, and um, we did it anyway. And uh, and the book, fortunately, t- t- yeah. T- as t- I say, we often... <clears throat> go ahead. We often work on a need with spirit, and uh, it, it, I always say, if if we had, if many cases like with the Living of Course of Miracles. If I had had one clue how much work would be involved in putting on a free yeah. class, I yeah. for sure never would have taken it on. But I didn't know. And I then know. I got so far That's into amazing. it, I couldn't turn back. So there you go. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. It's a beat and switch. It's a beat and yeah. switch. Yeah. Well, listen, I really you know want to jump still... into the practical <clears throat> for radical forgiveness because uh, our audience, our Course in Miracles audience, we are tuned to every opportunity to learn more about forgiveness. Yeah. And this, your book, is your book just came out or it's just about yes. to come out? Yeah, it did. I've, I've, um, I sold the first few this last weekend at my workshop. I did a workshop on the uh, Expanding in Love one and uh, ah. that was great and I had that had the new one there and they all just you know added up so that's that was a good sign they seemed to think it was what they wanted yeah so we had a good time so yeah it, it, it's funny you know I was thinking um, you know when I first wrote the the radical forgiveness book I remember the day I opened the box and saw it as like giving birth to a baby and and <laughs> the same thing happened this time you know when I opened the box and see see the see the books there and take them out and look at it, find a couple of spelling errors immediately, of course. (laughs) 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 Number of times you can go through a book. I bet we've gone through it six, seven times, you know, proofing it. And then you open a page and there it is. Oops. Yeah. Well, I found uh, typos in A Course in Miracles. Have you really? Yeah. Uh, And I've been through that a few times. Yeah. Well, if Jesus can get it wrong, then we haven't got to worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to forgive Jesus for his typos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so radical forgiveness is a really your book. Radical forgiveness is a really thorough and helpful guidebook. It's very clear and uh, gives many, many opportunities or options, things that we can actually do. It's not just an intellectual exercise, which is what I love about your teachings and your work, Holland. Now you've got 25 practical uses for radical forgiveness, your new book. And uh, I, I really appreciate your taking the time to be on the show with me. And... Of course, our audience, we, we already understand the power of forgiveness. We already understand why forgiveness is so important. What what yeah. many Course in Miracles students struggle with really is how to get there, like how to really emotionally get there, to get out of our head from saying, oh, I forgive you, and into the real full release of the suffering. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so, so do you want me to... To, to say a little bit about that, then uh, Jennifer. Yeah. Can, can how, can, that? how can? How okay. can? Yes. Um, you know, when when I read uh, first read the course, and and I have to tell you uh, or tell your listeners that, and you know this, that that my book is not just it's not a course book. There are some quite some differences between the course, but but it's grounded in in the same idea. So mm-hmm. it's not very different, but there are some differences. I just wanted to make that point. Um, but when I first uh, read the course, uh, in fact, it was on a on a trip from 
America to England, actually. I got hold of um, Kenny Swapnick's tapes, the uh, uh, Simplicity of Salvation, because uh-huh. I'd, I'd found the book very difficult to, to read and understand, so I got his tapes because he's very left brain, and I'm a little bit left brainish. And so <laughs> I was, uh, I, I thought, well, I'll listen to these tapes all the way across seven hours on the, uh, on the trip over to England. And, um, and so I did, and I made some notes, and then uh, as I got off the airplane and got down the end of the tunnel and realized I'd left the tapes behind on the seat next to me. So I went dashing back down the tunnel, which, of course, you can't do today. Um, mm. They'd probably shoot me if I did that. But anyway, uh, so I dashed back in there, and the tapes were gone. So I thought, mm. well, someone else needed them more than I did. Uh, and that was about it, really, as far as my uh, studying the course, and then, um, and then got into... Uh, doing this forgiveness work and realized it was very similar but not quite the same and uh so basically what it is for me is uh, is a five-step process and um the first three steps are very similar to any kind of forgiveness really but there's a big difference when we come to step four so the first three steps are fairly easy it's tell the story you know what actually happened and then right. the second step is to feel the feelings and we we make a big point about the necessity of feeling the the pain of what happened you, you can't heal what you don't feel and so uh, that is an important step a lot of people want to miss that out <clears throat> and um you know go by do a spiritual bypass on that one by saying oh you know spirit will handle that <laughs> well you know that's a really important point and i i, yeah. I think that's really important to stress because a Course in Miracles, uh, a lot of the audience, including myself, were very intellectual. And yeah. so, and, and the intellect is run by the ego. Yes. So the intellect says, I forgave that, I have forgiven that. And we, we, we want to, when you're really intellectual, you, you have a deep desire to skip the emotional. Please. <laughs> Yes. Please yes. let me skip that. And yes, so we actually convince. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'd gnaw off our arm hurt. in order to skip yeah, that part. Right. But yeah. but then we can't get to the the healing. We can't just jump yeah. over it intellectually. No. Yeah. Yes. I mean, the ego knows what it's doing by doing that because it it means that we really don't go. Uh, we don't get to the core. And we don't get to the part of us that really knows the truth, which is our higher self and the and the spiritual intelligence that goes with that. So if we're just using our mental intelligence, it's not really taking us far enough to uh, to really connect with the idea that we are, in fact, all one and, and the idea of separation is just an illusion. Um, we know that intellectually, but to actually connect with it requires us to dig into that spiritual intelligence that... that uh, that we access with radical forgiveness. So that's uh, that's an important aspect. But the feelings, yes, the feelings are important. We we I believe that we incarnated and took on a body in order. That's the first order of separation. So uh, that's our first experience of separation, and um, we use our body to continually uh, experience the myth of separation until we wake up. But anyway, so that's the second step. Third step, though, is what I call collapsing the story, and that's where we, uh, where we, I guess, we're challenging the ego to say, you know, what? How did you magnify this story, ego? What interpretations did I make? What expectations did I have that were totally, um, un, un, uh, what's the word, um, undeserved, or something like that? Um, 
What, right. what if I were to walk in this person's shoes? Would I have done something like that? So we're bringing understanding and mercy and humility compassion. and all the, the best of human qualities, compassion and empathy. We're bringing all of those into the situation in order to do the very best we can on the, on the forgiveness front. And that's as far as traditional forgiveness can go because there is still an underlying belief that something wrong happened. That's the key. So step number four is the radical forgiveness step where we uh, attempt to give up the idea that something wrong happened, that there was a purpose in what happened, that that it didn't happen to us but for us, and that it was all part of our divine plan, if you like, for our soul's journey. And mm-hmm. um, and, and when, when we open up to that as a possibility, I always stress you don't have to believe it. It's not a belief system. But if we can just open it up, open ourselves up to that as a possibility, something clicks. Something clicks inside us, and that's where I think the the spiritual intelligence then gets activated, and uh, and takes us uh, where we need to go uh, in order to find peace and happiness from within, and also to change the situation itself. So something really magical happens once we do that, and and that's the radical forgiveness step. And then the fifth step is simply to integrate that shift um, and by you know integrating the new story which is the story of wholeness and oneness as opposed to victim and separation which is number one uh, right. integrate that into the physical body and it's rather you know the analogy I like to use is like the computer we uninstall the victim story and uh, and then install the new program and um, we do that by doing something physical uh, I like to use breath work but we when we do the worksheets, um, then then it's writing and speaking, and that kind of thing. So that's that, those are the five steps. But it's that fourth step that is radical, that where we say that you know nothing wrong happened naturally, and there, therefore there is nothing to forgive. And that's the whole alignment with the Course in Miracles. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Right. Nothing real. Yeah can be threatened, nothing real exists, and that this is uh, an illusory experience, which when, you know, someone has seemingly betrayed you, is uh, really hard not to get into that story, even on an intellectual, even if you're not feeling your feelings. It's very easy to get stuck in an intellectual, they did something to me. Right. Instead of for me, <laughs> so, so your your enemies or apparent enemies are really your he- healing angels. I call them because they're giving you an opportunity to to heal the misperception of your separation. Yes, so every one, every every experience we have of that nature is an opportunity for us to learn and to and to um, heal that misperception of separation. Yeah, no, I'm I'm curious about the the practical uses for radical forgiveness. And forgive me, I'm just uh, saying I don't have the book yet because I've been on the road the last couple of weeks, and so I haven't I haven't picked it up yet. Uh, but I I have your other books, and uh, just so everybody knows, I do endorse radical forgiveness. Radical manifestation is a wonderful book too. And but the yeah. practical uses for radical forgiveness. What what kinds of things are in this book? Well, uh, the way this came about was that, um, you know, I realized that people uh, embraced the concept and they would use it um, 
to heal something big in their life, something that had happened, you know, maybe some sexual abuse when they were children and that kind of thing. But mm -hmm. they didn't really see it as something to use on an almost daily basis. And so they said, oh, yeah, I got your book, and I, I did that, and it really, you know, I, I forgave my mother and all that. But I said, well, when was the last time you did a worksheet? And, well, I haven't done one for a couple of years. So I, I thought I would say, ask myself the question, you know, where would I use one on, in, in my everyday life? Just ordinary things that happen. And so that was really the motivation for the book. And I said, well, the there's got to be about 25 instances where where a, a, doing a worksheet would um, really help me to get beyond a certain thing. So um, so that's how it came about. So the first part of the book is just uh, you know a retelling of the radical forgiveness story, and then I've got it divided into 10 parts. There's actually how many? 25 chapters, I think. 25 chapters. But the parts are applications for better health. That's the first, that's part one. And and that's all about detox. You know, doing an emotional detox. Uh, uh, number one, number two is called detox your body, reduce stress, live longer, and enjoy better sex. <laughs> so wow. that kind of thing. Lose weight, love your body, control perfectionism, and find your inner slob. Overcome addictions, <laughs> releasing trauma, managing anger. So so the idea is to try to get people to to really think that, that this is a. Um, this is something they can use whenever a little, even the smallest thing crops up and they're angry or upset about it, they can use this to uh, to shift the energy and raise their own vibration. And that's the point, really. Of we, we really only can change the world if we all raise our vibration, and it takes each, each person to do it. So the idea with, with this book, really, is to help people to have a handbook. It's called a handbook for, the, uh, for solving the problems and challenges of everyday life in a new way. And then part two is about dispute resolution. Now, we can use, uh, if you've got lawsuits and, and court cases pending, you can really use radical forgiveness to make a difference and to... Uh, to get these uh, things like that resolved in a very good way, so it's win-win. Part three is all about relationships, making peace with your family, making peace with your children, surviving the slings and arrows of parenting, <laughs> reviving a failing relationship, make it or break it, uh, how to negotiate a new relationship, find love and acceptance for yourself the way you are, find love for the other guy, even if he is a jerk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no judgment. <Survive> divorce. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, then we've got a whole a part on the practical, uh, using practical spirituality at work, which, as you know, I think I've been doing this with a lot of business people now. In, mm -hmm. in business, people in corporations really realise that, that this can be uh, a tremendous help to um, resolve disputes and things like that in corporations, and to raise the consciousness of the, of the whole workforce. Um, how to rescue a dysfunctional family business, shifting your money consciousness. Part five is all about death, tragedy, and other illusions. Um, making your radical forgiveness bucket list. <laughs> Grieving the loss of a loved <laughs> Grieving the loss of a loved one with less pain. Making sense of abortion. And then part six is about transforming mass consciousness. Wow. So it's um, you know it covers the gamut of, of, of human experience that uh, that we all go through. We all experience these things one time or another. And if you've got these tools to help you move through it and to find the peace in any situation, then it's a it's it's a 
a very helpful tool. And one of the other things that, that we have found that has been necessary always is, to, is for the idea that we, uh, we need to use the tools to make this work. There's, there's something about using these worksheets that, that, makes, it, uh, that makes it happen. And so uh, it, if you try to do it in your head, then you're going back into the intellect again. And of course, there, there lives the ego, as you said. <laughs> well, we are in for a treat. I, I'm dying to ask you some questions. It's time for us to go to a break, Colin. So okay. while we're doing that, I'm inviting people to go uh, order a copy of the book online or go to colintipping.com or radicalforgiveness.com. And you're listening to Colin Tipping. He's my guest today. I'm Jennifer Hadley. A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio. We'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application as we return to A Course in Miracles, Living the love, walking the talk. Ah, Welcome back. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and my guest today is author Colin Tipping. You know him best as the author of Radical Forgiveness. He's been a wonderful guest on several of the Living a Course in Miracles series, and his latest book is 25 Practical Uses for Radical Forgiveness. And let's jump in and get some of those practical uses, Colin. What about Particularly, I and so many people have talked about this lately, is uh, the death of a loved one. Yes. How, how does forgiveness play into that? Yeah, yeah. Grieving, uh, grieving is uh, is a, it's a special case actually, um, because um, you know, with 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 some of the other things, when we go through our five step process, we can pretty much gauge how long it's going to take for someone to move through the feelings, especially if it's just anger or something like that. We can get people through their, through that feeling step quite quickly. Uh, but with grieving, it's a different matter. Grieving takes a long time, or it can take a long time. And whenever I'm working with the person in, uh, who's just lost someone, um, it's really, they have to tell me when they're ready, you know, to, to move beyond that stage, because uh, uh, sometimes it can take a year or more, or even even more than a year, to get beyond uh, the, the what Stephen Levine called the rope burn of grief, which I thought was a, a tremendous uh, way of, of explaining that that terrible yeah. pain that we feel when we lose somebody, or even a pet, or a job, even you know, it's not just uh, losing losing a loved one. Although, of course, that's the main that's the main uh, idea. But uh, losing a job, losing a limb, as for a soldier, you know, who's got blown up somewhere. Um, it, it all has to be uh, grieved, but then there comes a point when, uh, when if, once people have got to that point where they come to to that stage of bargaining, I guess if we if we think of those five stages that um, mm-hmm. Cooper Ross came up with, you know, with the, the denial, the anger, the uh, 
what was it? Anger, uh, sadness, and then bargaining, and then uh, and then what was the last one? It was like coming to terms with it. I forget the actual word. But that's when we can maybe shift into the radical forgiveness. And then um, the the way we do that is to uh, introduce the idea that there is a different way of looking at the death experience. And, of course, it all depends on the person's uh, concepts at that time, whether they've been introduced to the idea that death isn't really real, that it's a transition from one vibration to another. So the way I would uh, you know, briefly describe what we do with the uh, grieving process is to say, okay, let's, let's first of all honor the fact that we've, we, f- we feel intense pain about the loss of the person. This person's not in our life anymore. That's, well, that's going to be pain for the rest of our lives, really, because we'll be missing them. Okay? But we can reduce the suffering. And there is a distinction between pain and suffering. Pain is the pain of what happened, just the way it happened. And from, from a grieving point of view, as I say, it's, it's, the, it's the missing of the person. But the suffering that we attach to it is when we say it shouldn't have happened, or it was tragic, or it was too soon, or the manner of the death was, uh, was not okay. You know, the, and someone is to blame. Who do I blame for this death? That's where all the suffering is. And that's distinct and different from from the actual pain of the missing of the person or the or the uh, pet, and and a lot of people will go there straight away, and it's part of the grieving process. It's part of the denial process, actually. When you think about it, the first thing is to say it, it shouldn't have happened, and who's to blame? Who do I sue? Who do I get revenge from? And that kind of thing. And this is especially true for some for a parent who loses a child because it goes against our normal perception of of uh, how things should be, the, you know, that the, yes. the child should outlive the parent. And so that's really where the work is when, we, when we're doing the grieving, is to reduce the suffering and get the person to a point where they can begin to see that um, there was a possibility that, that you know, we, we choose when to die there and, and the manner in which we die, that death isn't real, the person is still there energetically, um, and it's simply a vibrational change. And um, I think once people get to understand that at a core level, a deep level, that their their suffering is very, very much reduced. And so it's a form of, it's, it's radical forgiveness applied to that particular instance where we're, we're bringing in the underlying precepts of radical forgiveness, i.e., you know, death is not, not real. Uh, everything happens at when it's supposed to happen, everything happens because it needs to happen at that time and in that manner, and that's what the soul has chosen. So it's a big step, and it may take a long time. We have a, a we have a program, an online program for that, and we call it Radical Grieving. And uh, so there's a chapter in the book about it, and um, and then we have the online program that people can actually use if they are in that in that space of, of needing help with their grief. I'm so glad you have that. I'm so glad you reminded us of that call. And it's interesting. I, I mentioned at the top of the show that I just arrived in England and I stopped off at the grocery store to just pick up a few things. And right there on all the newsstands, all the headlines were that Mick Jagger's sweetheart had uh, committed suicide. And, um, oh. 
I know many people who their parents committed suicide, their children committed suicide, their siblings committed suicide. And for most of those people, it changes the rest of their life. But it, 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 it doesn't have to be uh, an endless horror. There really can be uh, tremendous healing, but it does take great willingness. It, it does, and, and patience on the, on the part of the person helping them through it. it you know, mm. therapist or friend or carer, who, it takes a lot of... Uh, we, we don't do grief well in this country or in the Western world. Um, no. You know, we, we, we give ourselves a couple of days and then we're back at work and, you know, everybody says that, uh, you know, sorry about that, but, you know, we must get on. Whereas in a lot of cultures, it's at least a year. Uh, people take a year out, wear black or whatever it is, and, and honor the fact that uh, that this is a major event in one's life and, and, and it's going to take some work to get through it. So um, I'm, I'm, we've had more uh, clicks on that radical grieving pro- um program than any others and it's the least that's the last one that we've done it's only been up there a short while but it seems that grieving is one of the main things that we get um, we get uh, click through on and when we do our ceremony did you ever do a ceremony with me i don't think you have no no i i i need to make a plan to do that yeah, well, the ceremony, uh, what we do is, you know, we all stand in a circle and the, and I ask a series of questions which basically cover, uh, you know, the gamut of human misery, as I put it, uh, all the victim stories that you ever likely to have had, and then you walk across the circle and you meet someone coming the other way and, you know, have a little uh, exchange and so on. So there's one question that I get to, I think it's about number seven, uh, number 12 on the list of 17, and it says, if you've ever lost anyone, a person or a pet even, to an untimely, unexpected or tragic death, including a suicide, walk the circle. And I bet you half the people walk the circle, at least, if not more than that, probably 70% of them walk the circle on that one. And that's where all the tears come mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, it, it, even, even those that are expected um, uh, still, still have pain attached to them. Mm-hmm. And then the, the the chapter after that is where I deal with the issue of abortion. Do you want to go on that? Yeah, let's let's talk about that because that's something uh, many people aren't willing to talk about. I know yeah. I talk about that in my forgiveness workshops. It's so important. Yeah, yeah. For men well, and you know, women. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, the question we asked there, actually, it comes immediately after that one in the, in the ceremony. If you've ever had to agonize over or be party to the decision whether or not to have an abortion, walk the circle. And mm. uh, the men walk as well as the women, which is always good to see. They get it that it's just as much, just as painful for them too. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, you know, it's a bit like the, you know, I've put these two chapters together because it's the same issue really, that, that you have to give time for people to feel the, uh, to feel the pain of the loss of the pregnancy, whether the whether the person wanted it or not, I think that the woman always feels a sense of loss there. So it is part of the grieving process. But um, it's such a shame that we have um, made it such a political issue. That's that's the most upsetting side of it because it induces a tremendous amount of guilt. I think. But the main idea that I have in this chapter is, you know, since the since the soul is immortal and cannot die. Well, first of all, nobody knows when the soul attaches to the body. You know, nobody knows. 
a lot of people have theories about it and they make statements about it, but nobody really knows when the soul attaches. And so, but the soul is immortal and cannot die, so you, right. you cannot kill the soul. Now, that's not to say that you don't take this whole thing extremely seriously and give it an awful lot of thought. And at the meta metaphysical level, uh, part of that thinking is, well, this soul chose me. Why is it choosing me? Uh, so this is a serious decision. If I have to turn around and say to the soul, no, not now, please, not now. I have, I'm not in a position to do this. Um, you can expect the soul to be a little disappointed, but not mortally wounded. That's the point I'm making, really. Yeah. So, so the soul is saying, I really wanted to come in through you. I spent a lot of time choosing you for lots of different reasons. And maybe we've you know, been part of this uh, uh, karmic cycle many times before. So I wanted to come in through you. But I honor the fact that this is not a good time for you right now. And so I'm going to go back home and I'm going to choose someone else to come through. Or I may come later. Would it be all right if I came later? Mm. So it's like you have this conversation with this little soul with whom you have a connection because otherwise that soul wouldn't have chosen you to uh, to come through. Uh, so you can have a conversation and say, please, it's not a good time for me. This, this wouldn't work. Uh, it, it wouldn't be the best time for me. And we have to remember that the woman has a soul too. So it is a soul-to-soul yeah. -soul conversation. And, and we all have free will mm -hmm. at that soul level. And so it's it, it's not a guilt trip to 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 say from you in you know from your heart this is not a good time for me so I'm going to say no and the soul yeah disappointed but not mortally wounded so I've got a little illustration I've got some illustrations in this book it's rather nice one a little soul with his little bag going home with a couple of tears coming out of his <laughs> little cartoon with dragging his heart along on the you know with his uh, with his bag going home but you know i i i talk to a lot of people about this and and a lot of women intuitively feel that they that that soul came through later mm -hmm. as, as yes or came definitely through their, came through their daughter or some that there's that it was a delayed incarnation, but they, it came through anyway in a different form. Yes, and same with so miscarriages too, yeah? Yes, yes, all of that. You know, I'm mm -hmm. not saying, though, that it, it shouldn't be given serious consideration and be treated in a very serious way uh, when you make these decisions. It's not to be taken lightly by no means at all because we're still humans. And there's no benefit whatsoever to holding in your mind that you're a sinner and that yeah. uh, you've you've made the wrong choice. Yeah. Uh, pe people make the highest and best choices. From this, we learn. And, you know, A Course in Miracles has the lesson, you're never upset for the reason you think. So if you make a choice, yeah. you feel upset by it later, you're not upset for the reason you think. You are most likely upset because you're not forgiving yourself, you're judging yourself. Or someone else involved in the decision, because sometimes people make that decision to abort a, uh, a fetus, and uh, they're not the only one involved with the decision, and so maybe it's not their choice. Yeah, entirely. Now, I, do say, I do say I think it's I, I think it's important if 
if the woman is going to say no, that she she says no early on. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure that the, the, the longer the soul is attached to that fetus, uh, the more difficult it is to detach and to go home, go back home. So the earlier that's done, the better, I think. Um, you know, I don't know that that's you know, the truth, but that's what I'm getting kind of intuitively. And mm-hmm. I wish that the male population would, would mind their own damn business because I think this is a woman's issue. Women decide. No, no man knows what it's like to give life. No man on earth has ever done that, to give life like a woman does. I mean, it's her body and her choice is my opinion. <laughs> Men should stay out of it. <laughs> Unless it's your partner, of course. Then, as we said earlier on, you know, it is a joint choice at that point. Yeah, from, from, yeah. But from the, you know, the political and religious standpoint, you know, men really should honor the fact that women know better when it comes to this kind of stuff, and they should have the humility to admit that uh, they don't know. They haven't. They haven't got that inner knowing that a woman has about giving life. Well, you know, it's time for us to go to a break here in a moment, but I, I would okay. like to say that, you know, the teaching in A Course in Miracles about special relationship versus holy relationship, parents can have a special relationship, obviously an ego-based relationship with a child, and they can have a holy relationship. And I perceive, I never thought about it before this moment, but I don't see why you couldn't have uh, a holy relationship or a special relationship with an unborn child or even with the soul of an aborted child. And so no matter what has transpired, it's never too late to have a holy relationship. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So uh, we're going to go to a break. Did you have a final thought on that, Colin? Uh, no, uh, only that uh, you know. As I said before, a lot of times we come in and into into the incarnation with people that we've done before, and we we swap roles, and, and so it's highly likely that the uh, that the soul that has incarnated um, at that moment is one that we had a relationship and a holy relationship with before, and uh, mm-hmm. there's a purpose in in it happening again. But uh, mm-hmm. but nothing. Nothing is wrong, nothing is tragic. We just rearrange things, and God has this wonderful computer in the sky that just <laughs> rearranges all the, uh, all the, uh, all the uh, situations, anyway. Yes, nothing real can be threatened, so... Right, right. Well, for those who are just, just coming in here, I'm Jennifer Hadley. My guest today is Colin Tipping, the author of Radical Forgiveness, and his latest book is 25 Practical Uses for Radical Forgiveness. When we come back from the break, I'm going to ask Colin about forgiving the inner slob. Oh, boy. And <laughs> you're listening no, to, of course, the loving, oh, okay, loving the loving inner the slob. Loving the inner slob, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're listening to A Course of Miracles on Unity Online Radio. Colin and I will be right back. What if you could improve your health one decision at a time? Take that first step and join us each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central and learn from experts in integrative medicine. 
Awaken to Your Best Health is committed to supporting your personal health through cutting-edge research, education, and practical tips that you can put into place immediately. Make that decision for yourself by saying yes to health. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. been listening to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. If you have a question or comment about today's program, or if you'd like to join in the discussion, visit us on Facebook at A Course in Miracles Pledge, where you can join with the community of like-minded people who have pledged to live A Course in Miracles every day in every way. Now, back to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. So I'm Jennifer Hadley, back with Colin Tipping. And Colin has been talking and really feeling that people would love to come and see you in person and do some of this in-person work. I, I want to let people know they can go to colintipping.com and, and also tell us. We're having some problems, Jennifer. I can, it's breaking up real bad. Okay. Can you hear me at all now, Colin? Yes, I'm, I'm hearing you, but it's kind of cutting in and out. Um, yeah, RadicalForgiveness.com is the, is the website to go to for, for most of the information. Um, the ColinTipping.com website, we're going to be shifting a little bit because I'm rebranding myself. And so uh, RadicalForgiveness.com is, is where people can go and find all the information about these books and, uh, and the online programs that they can use and so on. So. Okay. All right. Well, while Jennifer's trying to get sorted out on Skype there, Skype is so un- unreliable. Um, uh, she she mentioned that uh, about finding you're in a slob, and this is application number six out of 25, and it's, and it's really about controlling perfectionism um, because I find uh, that the actual title of this chapter is called Control Perfectionism and Chronic Fatigue, Chronic Fatigue Syndrome and Find Your Inner Slob. That's the uh, that's the title of the book, and then the the uh, little piece under that says perfectionists are not obsessed with perfection; they're obsessed with imperfection. They look for imperfection all the time, and when it relates to them or their work, they will always find it. Um, I don't know that, that I can claim any research on this, but uh, I have noticed that anybody that that comes to my workshop and says that they had uh, or have chronic fatigue syndrome, ninety nine percent of the time they're perfectionists or they had highly perfectionist parents. And this 
this is a very toxic uh, condition to have. And so the forgiveness around that is to forgive your parents or whoever it was that made you feel that you were not okay the way you were, because that's how it comes out, or that's how it comes about, is that we constantly getting messages that we're not okay the way we are, so we keep trying to get approval by changing, by getting better, by doing everything as perfect as we can, and it's never enough. And uh, it's it's a really toxic belief system that is generated, um, and, and it leads to all sorts of, uh, of uh, problems, not the least of which, as I said, I think is chronic fatigue syndrome. Because I think what happens is that the body says, well, if I, it, if I can never be enough, then what's the point? I might as well give up. So perfectionism uh, is a real problem with the, for a lot of people, a lot of people. And it comes from that idea that we've got to keep, uh, we've got to keep improving. Our parents, you know, if we get an A, we've got to be an A-plus next year. And if you get an A-plus, well, it better be as good that year as it is this year. So there's always that message that you're never quite enough uh, the way you are. And uh, so that's uh, a lot of forgiveness needs to be done around the people who, who actually created that in you. And then what I mean by find your inner slob is uh, it's a very hard thing to overcome, this perfectionism. So what I say is, well, you have to spend at least one day a week being a slob. <laughs> you know, <where> the... <laughs> Just to practice, to feel what it's like to not have makeup on, you know, to, to not use the computer, uh, not wash the dishes, and uh, don't even get up if you don't want to. You know, just be a, a real slob and, and, and don't do anything that's where you have to be perfect. Get some paints out and do some finger painting so that it's, you know, you're not doing art, you're just making colors and things like that so that you feel what it's like to love yourself just being totally free of the need to be perfect. So, so perfectionism is healed by by doing the forgiveness work on those that, that expected you to be uh, to be perfect and give up your need for their approval. That's a big one. Because I've had people in their 90s at workshops still crying, saying, my mother didn't approve of me. My mother didn't love me enough. Um, and that's that's amazing. So so we have to give up that that terrible need to be approved of and and uh, by our parents even if they're dead it still doesn't make any difference people are still looking for that and 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 their perfectionism really is the uh, outplaying of that belief that I'm not enough and I have to the harder I try um you know the worse it is so that's that's that chapter and uh, we I give a three letter process there writing three letters to your parents um, in, the, in, in that particular chapter, but that's the thing you can use for any of these. It's one of the tools. You write three letters. I love that. I love it when there are things that we can do that are very practical and tactile like that. And, you know, yeah. it's it, what you're saying is so important. One of the things I have noticed in my own spiritual growth and awakening, Colin, is that the more I travel this road, the less, like, I take so many pictures of myself now. People are always wanting to take pictures of me now. And I used to think, oh, God. But now I'm just like, fine, whatever, you know, and sometimes yeah. the pictures are great and sometimes they're not, and it doesn't matter yeah. anymore. 
It just right. all these things are fading away. They they don't take up my bandwidth anymore because they just aren't important. And you know, we live in this culture, this society where we're constantly being told that our teeth aren't white enough, our breath isn't fresh yeah. enough, our our parts are too big or too small, and it's just an endless litany. The ego will never say, "Ah, you're perfect. Now you can relax." So that yeah. day's never yeah. going to come. So you have to learn to uh, really align with the spirit, which sees no fault whatsoever. Right. Yeah, we are who we are, and that's how we're made, and that's who we need to love and accept just the way we are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a, a, a quite a chapter in here, you know, about health and, and, and one in particular on cancer. And um, a guy called Lawrence Lachan, who wrote a book called The uh, Cancer is a Turning Point, and he was a psychotherapist, worked with cancer patients, you know, all his life. And he, he found that there was a common belief amongst nearly everybody who had cancer. And it relates to what we've just been talking about, because that belief was, um, if I show up as who I am, no one will love me. Therefore, I have to try to be someone I'm not. Ooh, yes, yes, that, that, that is... That's such a toxic belief. If I show up as who I am, no one will love me. Yeah. And so you have to yeah. pretend to be somebody else. It's very sad, really. Very sad. Well, and the work that we're doing is to heal that in ourselves. And yeah. so we seek not to change the world, but to change our mind about the world. And so we're yeah. changing our mind about ourselves and that healing translates to the whole believe it or not we are out of time here colin oh my and, goodness, <laughs> and time goes when you're having fun huh <laughs> it does it goes by very fast and once again i want to say colin tipping's book radical forgiveness and the 25 practical uses for radical forgiveness his new book is out and uh, it's what, on what, right now as well. It's on Amazon. They can get it from Amazon.com and, um, and, uh, and, 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 to, and my own website, of course. Yes, ColinTipping.com. And uh, there you go. Practical ways to really do some deep healing work. It's we got to do this work in order to really have the lasting results. It's not... It's not an intellectual exercise, it's a heart exercise, and that's exactly what Colin is helping us to realize. And so with that said, I, I want to thank you so much, Colin, for being my guest today, and I look forward to getting into your new book. And I'm going to invite everyone to place their hand on their heart and to take this deep breath of love and gratitude for Colin Tipping and his own personal journey of forgiveness that allows him to share so deeply and so helpfully with us. We're grateful and thankful to do our own forgiveness work, to set ourselves free, and to share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In grace and gratitude, we allow this healing to be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Colin. Okay, thank you. Have a great Have week, fun everybody. over there. I will, Colin. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>